Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. And now, all that remains on earth are God's beloved perfected. All others have been judged and thrown into the lake of fire forever. With this absolute perfection must come absolute newness in creation, and God brings forth the new heaven, the new earth, and the new holy city, Jerusalem. Here is Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Throughout Scripture, the Lord God promises that He will make a new heaven and a new earth. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ's promise in Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will disappear. The new heaven will not contain four realms, and the new earth will not be compartmentalized with death graves, hell, and a bottomless pit. No. The promised heavens and earth will be absolute perfection in purity, goodness, truth, and everlasting love. But something else happens, too, as we read in Isaiah 65, verse 17. Look, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Wow! God will make us new also. He will wipe our memories of this old earth away because they hold iniquity, condemnation, sorrow, pain, shame, etc. When we live with God in His new creation, there won't be any old thoughts because God is perfection, and those things cannot reside with Him. And so, as it says in Isaiah 66, verse 22, Behold, I create all things new. New heavens, new earth, and fresh new believers will live forever with God. So, how does the first heaven and the first earth pass away? Here's what the late Pastor Chuck Smith has to say. God holds the universe together by the word of his power. For he created the universe and the earth by the word of his power, and by him all things are held together. All he's going to do is relax and let it all go, and the whole material universe will go up in one gigantic puff. The elements will be dissolved and melted with a fervent heat. The heavens will be on fire, and this whole material universe will go out of existence in a moment's time. We read of this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 5-13. through 13. God made the heavens by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood, and by the same word the present heavens and earth will have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, 
and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Interestingly, there won't be any sea. Hmm, why not? Well, we know that the Lord made the sea because he knew humanity would sin. We know from earlier in Revelation that Satan calls forth the beast from out of the sea. We also know from Daniel, Isaiah, Job, Jonah, Matthew, and Luke that the sea represents sin, danger, the storms of life, and separation from God. Therefore, the sea has to be no more because none of these things equals perfection. But here's another interesting fact to consider. This from Dr. Chuck Missler. For millennia, 70% of Earth has been covered in an average depth of 2.3 miles of 3.5% antiseptic salinity that purges, cleanses, and preserves Earth. Huh. When there's perfection, there is no need for a sin antiseptic. So, I wonder what God will create to replace the sea. Here is verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. John has been transported into heaven for revelation, and he's up there beholding this new vision. He sees a massive thing being lowered, and this beautiful new holy city, Jerusalem, is as gorgeous as a virgin bride prepared in all her finery before her groom, with every detail completed in utter perfection. We recall one of Lord Jesus Christ's promises in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, when he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus promises to snatch his beloved from earth, and he also promises brand new living quarters, mansions, many mansions. But there's something else. Numerous commentators tell us that the new Jerusalem will not touch down on earth, but will orbit earth the same way our moon does, except the orbiting city will be cubed instead of spherical. A precise description of the New Jerusalem is upcoming, but right now understand that the perfected resurrected, who live forever with God and His Son, will have bodies capable of dimensional travel. Therefore, going between the new earth and the new orbiting holy city will be easy. Now, here are some amazing God promises in verses 3-5. through five. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. 
Boy, oh boy, that sounds like a dream, doesn't it? For are humans capable of understanding absolute and true perfection? Can we truly comprehend that the God of all creation will walk among us? That believers will see the Lord God walking the streets of New Jerusalem? No one has ever laid eyes on the Father, and yet there he will be with his Son and Holy Spirit living among us. But even more, is it possible right now in this wicked old world to fathom no more pain, suffering, sorrow, tears, mourning, or death? No physical affirmities, no weaknesses, no tiredness, and no weariness? Yeah, tough to fathom. So the Lord who is sitting on his throne tells John, my words are faithful and true. You can believe them. Because in verse 6, he goes on to say, It is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. King Jesus is repeating his many scriptures where he tells people, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For... If you drink of the water that I give, you will never thirst again, because I will give the fountains of living water freely. Repeatedly, the Lord Jesus Christ offers his free gifts to anyone who believes, and this later chapter of Revelation sees Jesus' promises coming to fruition. Then, verse 7 continues with yet another amazing two-part promise. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The first part continues the Lord's blessings upon his chosen believers, those people who, while they lived on earth, chose him as their savior. The second part of the promise fully reiterates that anyone who does not choose him will be separated from him and his father forever, and their souls will live eternally in torment. Now, verse 9 continues with an invitation. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. The holy city, New Jerusalem, is adorned like a bride. And verses 10 through 14 begin to describe her beauty. And he carried me away in the spirit, to a great and high mountain, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper, and it had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. 
God's bride is in all of God's glory. In her brilliance, she shines and glimmers and sparkles like a fine-cut diamond. Jasper is diamond. The city is surrounded by a great and high wall in which God places 12 gates and 12 angels to guard them. The gates bear the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Additionally, the wall's foundation stones are named for the Lord Jesus Christ's 12 apostles who gathered God's church after his ascension. That means the apostle Paul replaces Judas the betrayer. In verses 15 through 21, the angel describes New Jerusalem in more detail. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod. 1,500 miles, its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And so we learn that the wall is 216 feet deep and 216 feet tall. And the holy city is laid out in a 1,500 square mile cube. The wall's foundation is made in layers of precious jewels, and the gates are huge pearls, and the city within is made of gold so pure that it's as clear as glass. Even the streets are paved in gold. Huh, apparently money and wealth, which so many people strive for here on this old earth today, has such little value in God's future kingdom that the most precious metal known to man is used for asphalt and jewels are used to build foundations. Think there's a bit of a hint there? That relationship is far more important to God than all the money and wealth in the world? As the saying goes, when you die, you can't take it with you. John continues his vision in verses 22 through 27. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed." and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, and nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
When God Almighty dwells amongst his beloved, there is no requirement for a temple. The meeting place walks the street with everyone, and his glorious Shekinah light is all that is necessary to illuminate his new creation, and his sun is the sun. There is no more night, no more darkness where evil can hide. Instead, the nations walk in his glory and they honor him. They move to and fro through the open gates at will. But there's something else here. There are additional creatures unknown to us made by God either in some previous age or perhaps in some future age who will not be allowed into the new holy city, Jerusalem. Remember, we cannot limit God, but this scripture is quite clear that there will be others. Hence, the reason for the 12 guardian angels at each of the gates leading into the city. Because no others who defile or who work abominations or who tell lies will be given access, and only the triune Godhead knows who these other creatures are. But believers are promised that only God's beloved, who are written in the book of life and in the Lamb's book of life, will be granted permanent access into his presence inside the holy city. And we will live in eternity learning who he is and what he's done for us. And we will be given the ancient and future knowledge, secrets, and mysteries. For God is truth, and his full truth is yet to be revealed to his beloved. We can look forward to that. But first, the final chapter in Revelation awaits. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much, and so do we. Until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and Amen.